Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 87. We're going to do Thursday's readings of the fourth week of Lent, episode 87. So if you like what I do, please subscribe and share to my podcast. It would be a great help. I really would appreciate it. So uh, let's begin with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, guardian of the Holy Church, guardian of families, and terror of demons, pray for us. And we pray also to Saint Peter the Apostle, pray for us. Saint Paul the Apostle, pray for us. Saint John the Apostle, pray for us. Saint John the Baptist, pray for us. Saint Athanasius, pray for us. Saint Ambrose, pray for us. Saint Augustine, pray for us. Saint Jerome, pray for us. Saint Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. Saint Thomas More, pray for us. Saint John Fisher, pray for us. Saint Francis of Assisi, pray for us. And Saint Mary Magdalene, pray for us. Saint Michael the Archangel, Defend us from evil and pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope I didn't repeat myself. I always seem to miss on St. Mary Magdalene for some reason, but I don't think I did. Okay. So now we are in the fourth week of Lent on um, Thursday. We're in Thursday now. I know I did Wednesday. It should be Thursday. I hope I didn't say Wednesday. Okay. So one thing I love about this technology, you can always uh, check and correct yourself. I often forget that. All right, so uh, entrance antiphon for Psalm, it's going to be Psalm 105. Let the hearts that seek the Lord rejoice. Turn to the Lord and his strength constantly seek his face. Let the hearts that seek the Lord rejoice. Turn to the Lord and his strength constantly seek his face. Um, I have to say, I'm beginning to love the Psalms more and more every single time. And it's because there's so many words in there that just, it always gives you encouragement. The Psalms always give encouragement, even though there are some parts of the Psalms that help us to admit our sins. And that's one thing the Psalms teach us how to pray. It is the, the prayer book of Israel. It is also the prayer book of the church, the Catholic church in general. When I say Catholic church, I'm not just thinking of the Latin rite. I'm thinking about the Eastern part of the church, the Orthodox as well, as well as like, you know, all, you know, and I would like to think of the Protestants as 
one of the branches in there, even though they're not Catholic, they reject a lot of the things and they, I truly believe they, they're wrong to do that. And I think there's a lot of things that they, they reject the sacrament, the real presence, the, I think they're wrong to reject the papacy or even the apostolic succession uh, of, of, of the church. That's important. All right. Um, let's begin. We're, uh, we're visiting the book of Exodus again. Okay. A reading from the book of Exodus, second book of Moses, uh, from the five books. It's chapter 32, verse 7 to 14. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down at once to your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, for they have become depraved. They have soon turned aside from the way I pointed out to them, making for themselves a molten calf and worshipping it, sacrificing to it and crying out, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I see how stiff-necked this people is. Let me alone then, that my wrath may blaze up against them to consume them. Then I will make of you a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God, saying, Why, O Lord, should your wrath blaze up against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with such great power and with a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent he brought them out, that he might kill them in the mountains and exterminate them from the face of the earth? Let your blazing wrath die down and relent in punishing your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, how you swore to them by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and all this land that I promised. I will give your descendants as their perpetual heritage, so that the Lord relented, so the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, I'll read it one more time. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once to your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, for they have become depraved. They have soon turned aside from the way I pointed out to them, making for themselves a molten calf and worshipping it, sacrificing to it and crying out, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I see how stiff-necked this people is. Let me alone then, that my wrath may blaze up against them to consume them. Then I will make up you a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord, implored the Lord his God, saying, Why, O Lord, should your wrath blaze up against your own people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with such great power and with a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent he brought them out that he might kill them in the mountains and exterminate them from the face of the earth? Let your blazing wrath die down. Relent in punishing your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, how you swore to them by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And all this land that I promise, I will give your descendants as their perpetual heritage. So the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Okay, Psalm 106, and the response is, Remember us, O Lord, as your favor, as you favor your people. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Psalm 106. Our fathers made a calf in Horeb and adored a molten image. They exchanged their glory for the image of a grass-eating bullock. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. They forgot the God who had saved them, who had done great deeds in Egypt, wondrous deeds in the land of Ham, terrible things at the Red Sea. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Then he spoke of exterminating them, but Moses, his chosen one, withstood him in the breach to turn back his destructive wrath. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Okay, one more time. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Our fathers made a calf in Horeb and adored a molten image. They exchanged their glory for the image of a grass-eating bullock. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. They forgot the God who had saved them, who had done great deeds in Egypt, wondrous deeds in the land of Ham, terrible things at the Red Sea. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Then he spoke of exterminating them, but Moses, his chosen one, withstood him in the breach to turn back his destructive wrath. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Okay, I'm going to try to in, um, do a little meditating or explaining what's going on here. Obviously, again, we, we keep hearing over and over again how in the, in the Exodus, it always points, down, points back to the great world event. There was something I was um, listening the other day. It was, um, it was Dinesh D'Souza on his podcast where he talked about Ronald Reagan, uh, President Ronald Reagan, the late Ronald Reagan, who uh, I remember him as a kid. He was probably the fr uh, after Jimmy Carter was the one of the first big major presidents. I guess you could say of my childhood. I remember him. And he said that Ronald Reagan one time gave a speech and he pointed out against talking about, again, um, how totalitarianism, communism, and how it, it, it oppresses people and, and, and enslaves them. And Ronald Reagan, in one of his speech, pointed out from the time of the great exodus from Egypt, he, he, he labeled that as one of the greatest events in human history because it was, it was exactly a biblical event that was monumental in the fact that God got involved, seriously involved, came down and actually through the leadership of Moses led a people out of bondage, out of slavery from a totalitarian state. Egypt was a totalitarian state. It basically controlled everything. It controlled the way you, it controlled your physical life. It controlled also your, your, the way you think mentally because you, you can't just control the people physically. You have to control the people mentally to enslave them mentally. And that's exactly a, a big event. The fact, the fact that God in the leadership of Moses led the people out, literally got involved in, a, in in another people's lives, 
invested in a people. God invested in Israel. God invested in the Jewish people. He invested the time to take them out. And you see here in the psalm, this psalm was written centuries later. Our fathers made a calf in Horeb. That's the place where they did it and adored a molten image. They exchanged their glory, their glory, because God was their glory. God was their glory, their, their heritage, their glory for the image of a grass eating bullock, for an image of an animal, a four, a, a, a four footed animal, an image that was not, they, they dared to call that God. Remember, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. They, they dared to take an animal, a created image that was created by God and give the glory to, which was given to them. God was their glory and they gave it to an animal. They got themselves into serious trouble. Okay, that was that was an insult. That was a blasphemy. That was a transgression. They, for, they, they forgot the God who had saved them who had done great deeds in Egypt. Almost like I'm repeating myself, but you see, wondrous deeds in the land of Ham. Remember, Ham, one of the sons of Noah. Ham became the father of the people of Africa, of Egypt and Africa, of all of Africa. And the 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 land of Ham, and, and he became the father of Mizraim. In Arabic, Masri. Refer to Egypt as Masri. Masri, and then Egypt, you know, Mazraim in Hebrew. Terrible things, uh, terrible things at the Red Sea. Again, the big event, the greatest event in human history. That event is compared to the crucifixion and the resurrection. The crucifixion and the resurrection is the the new Exodus. Remember when I said when when Jesus took. Peter, James, and John up to the mountain and the transfiguration. In Luke's gospel, they have a conversation. The, the Moses and Elijah talk to Jesus. They're concerned how he's going to accomplish. Uh, again, the words that are used, the New American Bible uses th this one. I, I like the way they says it. Exodus from Jerusalem or Passover, because this is the Passover week. Holy week is the Passover week, which is the week that is comparable, equal to that of the of the Exodus and Passover in Egypt, because we the Passover of, of our lives, our Exodus from sin to eternal life. It's the events are equal. It's important events. That's why always Holy Week always takes place around the same time as Passover, the Jewish Passover. Okay, he spoke of exterminating them. But Moses, his chosen one, withstood him in the breach to turn back his destructive wrath. Moses is a type picture of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah of his day. Not a, he's not divine. He's a man, but he's he's a type, a proto Christ, and he intercedes. He intercedes. He he mediates for the people, even though they committed this horrible sin and they they need they deserve all the punishment. They even offered a sacrifice. They probably committed murder, and they committed perversity. They were having a Bacchus party, a, a pagan party. They were going crazy. They an orgy, and they blasphemed. And they blasphemed against God. They worshipped a created image instead of the Creator. 
And Moses had to intercede for them, reminded God. God God knew what he was doing. He wanted Moses to behave this way. He wanted Moses to intercede for them. He wanted Moses to, to speak up and intercede. And Moses did. He did exactly what God wanted. He begged, don't. You've invested too much. You've taken him out of Egypt. Why should the Egyptians laugh? Why should the Egyptians rejoice and say he, he only meant to do evil to them? Of course, that's impossible. God, God cannot do evil. What Moses meant is that he took them out in order to destroy them. He's not a forgiving God. He's not a loving God. You know, the, the, people, the people of the world always say that, like, you know, why does God allow evil to happen? No one bothers to invest time to study religion, but they're very good at condemning God. They're very good at putting God on trial and say, God, God lets all this evil to happen. They, they're looking for an excuse not to believe. They're always going to look for an excuse not to. They're always going to find some something to wiggle through. And in a sense, yeah, and the people failed. The people of Israel failed. All right. It was probably like watching a bunch of crazy lunatic, uh, you know, uh, I guess you can say really raunchy people who the minute you put a little alcohol in them, everybody suddenly, well, they have very little respectability in the beginning and they, and, and what, and, and now they're completely just, you can say ghetto trash in their behavior. Tra uh, college uh, is like a bunch of kids going down to, uh, to spring break, I guess, an equivalent, you know, except more primitive. But I guess not much different. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's move on from there. All right. The verse before the gospel is from the gospel of John, the gospel of St. John, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay. Um. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. And the gospel reading is from the gospel of St. John. It's chapter 5, verse 31 to 47. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 5. Verse 31 to 47, the one who will accuse you is Moses in whom you have placed your hope. Jesus said to the Jews, if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. You sent emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp, and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. But I have testimony greater than John, than John's testimony. The work that the Father gave me to accomplish these works that I perform testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf. 
but you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, and you do not have his word remaining in you, because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf, but you do not want to come to me to have life. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not accept do not do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For for if you had believed Moses, you would not have if you have believed Moses, you would not you would have believed me. I'm sorry. For if you have believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote about me. But you do not believe his writings. How will you not believe my words? The Gospel of the Lord. One more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 5, verse 31 to 47. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. Jesus said to the Jews, If I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. You sent emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this to you. I say, I, I say this, so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamp, and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. But I have testimony greater than John's. The works that the Father gave me to accomplish, these works that I perform testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf. But you have never heard his voice nor seen his form, and you do not have his word remaining in you, because you do not believe in the one whom you have sent. You search the scriptures, but because you think you have eternal life through them, even they testify in my behalf, but you do not want to come to come to me to have life. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you would not have believed me, because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. It's a long one, and it's, it's, this is the most important one, the most beautiful. I think John's gospel 
if anywhere, Jesus makes it quite clear. I mean, he makes it clear in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's quite clear. But John gives you, like, really up close. I mean, right up to your face. Obvious, straightforward testimony. And a lot of it here speaks to me in the most... Um, there's a personal part because remember I am, I'm a convert from Islam. I'm a convert from Islam, and I, and I have to say, I mean, I, I was never a, a practicing Muslim, but I know enough about Islam. And what Jesus says here speaks personally, especially the part where he says, "I I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you." I came in the name of my father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For if you have believed Moses, you would you would have believed me because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe in my words? And then, you know, here, right before that, he goes, he, before that, before the paragraph I read, you search the scripture because you search the scripture because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify in my behalf, but you do not want to come to me to say, to have life. It makes me think of, uh, obviously, uh, Muhammad, uh, the prophet of Islam, as Muslims believe him to be, who denies that Jesus is God. How can we, we can't have two contradictory. You can't say Jesus is God and then have someone come along and say Jesus is not God. Right? Right? Jehovah Witnesses come along and they believe that Jesus was Michael the Archangel and yet they 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 look to him. They they say they believe in him. I don't know exactly the full theology of them, but you can't have two contradictories. Right? It's impossible. Then you got Joseph Smith of Mormonism. He comes along and he has a completely different different take. He becomes he's the He's often referred to by scholars as the American Muhammad. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus and the Father are one and the same. There's no, there's no contradictory there. And the scriptures all speak of him. They all speak beautifully of him. And John's gospel is like, John. that's why the symbol for John's gospel is the eagle. Because he soars so high. You, you you read, you combine all the four Gospels and, you, you know, yes, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all follow a similar theme. Scholars want to believe that Matthew, Mark was the first, but I personally think that Matthew was the first because Matthew was written to the, to the Hebrews, to the Jewish people, to the people of Israel. And he's modeled like like the if you look at it 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 almost models the the five books of Moses because 
you have him going up the mountain and then you have the test the, the the beatitudes the sermon on the mountain and it follows certain patterns in the in the five books of moses mark's gospel has always been believed to be really peter's preaching based on peter's preaching his teaching and preaching in rome maybe possibly even before he got to rome he had a certain, each one had a certain way, a formula, a style of teaching. But very close to Matthew, I think Mark modeled it to some extent. Because look at it. Mark begins with Jesus as an adult and getting baptized. John's gospel begins with Jesus as an adult when he got baptized. Very similar to, I mean, John's gospel is very similar to Mark's. That they both begin with him. John, obviously, Parts of John begin with a certain style of preaching and teaching. Then, as the years go by, John added that beautiful, that beautiful um, uh, poetic prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, sort of like matching that of Genesis. Uh, Matthew begins with the beginning of, of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham sort of slightly hitting on Genesis. And then he goes into all his uh, genealogy, which is very important to the Jews. Luke Luke begins his gospel more like a historical book. He, he sets it in a place and a time in a uh, he, Herod the Great, um, Caesar Augustus. He wants to put Jesus in in a world history, in a, in a context of world history. Now, they all developed a formula. The Holy Spirit worked through them, developed that formula. John hits straight to home because John comes right from the time when there were so many heretical groups that were rising up that were denying and attacking the divinity of Jesus, the humanity and divinity of Jesus. There was the Gnostics who weaved together a very perverse theology, uh, very perverse teaching. Quickly, as soon as Christianity rose up, the devil didn't waste any his time to, to influence some, some real perverted uh, teachers. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful. I mean, let's, let's just look at it a little bit here. Jesus said to the Jews, if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. So he's saying there's someone else, and he quickly points out it was John the Baptist. You sent emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He's, he wants them He wants them to come to the truth. He's telling the Pharisees, he's telling these people, look, I want you guys to be saved. I want you to go to heaven. All right. I want you to be, I want you to go to heaven. He was a burning and a shining lamp. And for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. Okay. Everybody loved John. Everybody listened to him. They loved to hear him preach. They loved how he stood up for the truth. But I have testimony greater than John's. The works that the Father gave me to accomplish, 
These works that I perform testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Okay. He says the Father who testifies to him is greater, obviously, greater than in any human testimony, even greater than John's, John the Baptist. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf, but you have never heard his voice, nor seen his form. That always catches me. You have never heard his voice or seen his form. That's just fantastic. And you do not have his word remaining in you because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent, referring to himself. You search the scriptures. This part is very important, very important. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf, but you do not want to come to me to have life. This is a warning for those people who just only look to the Bible alone. Okay, I I believe the Bible is the word, the authoritative word of God. I believe it is. But we have, we got to remember, the early Christians didn't carry Bibles with them. They came together for the liturgy, for the mass, for the what Protestants may refer to as the Lord's Supper. To receive the body and blood, soul, divinity of the Lord in the Eucharist. The bread and the wine become the real presence, the soul, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. The humanity and divinity of Christ is in the Eucharist, and we need Him in us. That's why we believe as Catholics, and the Greek Orthodox believe this, the Coptics believe this, the, the Chaldean Christians believe this, the Armenian Christians believe this, the, the Russian Orthodox Christians believe this. They're all apostolic, and they all believe that Christ gave the power, the, the priesthood, so that these men who are priests can say, this is my body and this is my blood. Read John chapter 6. The Eucharist is the summit of the Christian life. You need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. The bread is true, his, his true flesh and the wine is his true blood. You, you must eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. There's no, there's no other way around it. The scriptures testify to this. And he goes on. Okay, how, okay, you look to the scriptures, but you know, again, that you can't just look to the Bible alone. The Bible alone, the scripture testifies to, to the Eucharist, to the liturgy. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. That's, 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 a, that's a blow. That's a strike. I came in the name of my father, but you do not accept me. If another comes in his own name, you will accept him. False prophets, false teachers. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses. So, be warned. Okay? The saints will, if Moses will rise up, and testify against Jews who reject Christ, then what other saints will rise up and even testify against them? The point is you cannot, you know, they put they put faith in false prophets and false teachers because false prophets and false teachers speak to their own vanity, speak to their own unbelief. 
okay, the, uh, the, the one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom, whom you have placed your hope. For if you have believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how will you believe in my words? This is serious. It's a serious, serious problem here. We cannot, you know, we have to really open our minds and open our hearts and realize that Jesus is the answer. You look at, you look at, you have to look at the works of every, of, of, all, of all these false teachers. I, I cannot accept, especially a religion that claims to be religion of peace and it divides people. It divides people. It hasn't brought anyone together. I'm sorry. I can't believe in Islam. Islam has not brought anyone together. Mormonism, I, it's a strange religion. And even Jehovah's Witnesses are strange. They, they don't. The, the one thing you have to look at, you have to look at what stands out and what speaks the truth, what brings, what, what brings families together, what brings people together, what, what elevates people, what brings dignity to the human person that's made in the image and likeness of God. And only Jesus Christ can do that. And only his word is church. Anyway, uh, let's end it here. Let's say in our Father, Hail Mary, and St. Michael, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. God bless, and I'll be back with tomorrow's uh, Friday readings. Okay, God bless.